Hello, and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life, the way it was meant to be, and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Thank you for joining us on the journey today. We are glad to have you with us. On Fridays, we like to do a series each month, and this month we're talking about the idea of prayer, and not just prayer in general, but it's really pinpointed. Our, our theme this month is looking at Romans eight twenty six, where the passage says, we do not know how to pray as we should. And what we're looking at is there's times in our lives that we're at a loss. We don't know what the words should be. We don't know which direction we ought to pray. And we hear over and over coming from the pulpit, well, you need to go pray. And we say, okay, I'm going to do that. Then what do I pray? And so in our first lesson, we talked about Romans 8 and how the Spirit helps us. And we encourage you to go back and listen to that if you haven't caught that. Then last week, we talked about Psalms 46 and uh, calling passage to be still. Be still and know that I am God. Well, we want to take this another layer to this, and we want to talk today about a section of the Psalms that's called imprecatory, imprecatory Psalms. I dare say most of us have never heard one of these prayed before from the pulpit. Most of us will be shuddered once I read some of these because it's not the language that we are used to, but oftentimes they reflect our feelings. And so what we're going to talk about today is can we, as Christians today, pray imprecatory psalms? So, Jason, let's begin with what in the world does that word mean? That is not a a word that we use every day. An imprecation is a curse. You can look that up in the dictionary and you will see that word. It's a word in our, our English language. It is not a word that's specifically found in the Bible, but there are what are commonly referred to as imprecatory psalms, various psalms out of that collection of 150 that are calling out to God for God to act, God to destroy, God to bring calamity or judgment on enemies, people who are, for instance, taking advantage of the poor, showing all sorts of injustice, unleashing all sorts of unrighteousness on innocent people. Imprecatory psalms are basically naming evil as evil, and calling on God to do something about it. Now, Roger, I know you're going to walk us through just a sampling of those here in just a moment, but to set the table, let me share with you, of all places from the New York Times, just a couple of days ago, uh, there were a variety of prayers that had been shared with a particular reporter, and I'll just read one of them. This had been shared by a woman who had evacuated from Ukraine. She asked that her own name be withheld, but she described her husband as a a Ukrainian preacher. Uh, She shared that his family is, is currently in occupied territory. She's unable to have any contact with them. But she wrote this, and it was shared, again, in the New York Times. Let me read it to you. Father God... May the attacker's fingers freeze. 
May they drop things. May they not see clearly. May their equipment malfunction. May they experience overwhelming hopelessness, enormous fatigue, and a complete loss of any desire to fight. May their communication be broken. May there be confusion. Lead them to surrender. Stretch the kilometers before them into endless kilometers of non-advancement. Remove their leadership and replace them with people who make decisions that reflect a fear of you. O God, infuse defenders with incredible surges of renewed alertness, strength, hope, courage. Inspire those who want to help. Show them specific, effective ideas. Move them swiftly and safely. The worst is yet to come, Lord, if you do not stop it. But please, no peace where there is no peace. We ask for peace united with righteousness and truth. God of all comfort, be physically present with all the mothers, fathers, grandparents, and children who are hiding, hearing, smelling, enduring. Warm them. Fill them with food. Give them water, toilets, communication with their loved ones, the gospel, hope in you. We repent of making idols of political leaders and news outlets. Forgive us for wanting them to be our gods and saviors. Forgive us for being unreasonable, for not wanting to admit the good and bad in all of our leaders. It is this spirit that leads us to dictators because we abandon responsibility and reason. We confess the seeds of war that live in our own hearts. We humble our hearts, our bodies. We ask you for mercy. Thank you that you love mercy and have all power. Now, Roger, first of all, that's a pretty extraordinary thing to read in the New York Times. But my question to you is, okay, is there any precedent for praying like this in the Bible? Let's just go through these Psalms. There's a a few of them here, and then we're going to pull out one from the New Testament. But let's begin in Psalms chapter 10 and verse 15. The psalmist says about his oppressors and his enemies, Break the arm of the wicked and the evildoer. Seek out his wickedness until you find none. Now, I think a lot of us would really be disturbed if Sunday morning somebody got up there and said, Lord, break some arms. But that's (laughs) coming straight from scriptures. We go over to chapter 35 of the book of Psalms, starting verse 6. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. For without cause, uh, they hid their nets for me. Without cause, they dug a pit for my soul. Let destruction come upon him unawares. Let the net which he hid catch himself. And that very destruction, let him fall. Now let's go over to chapter 58 of Psalms. And again, noticing that these are found all throughout the Psalms. Psalms chapter 58 and in verse 6. It says, they have prepared a net for my step. Excuse me, chapter 58, verse 6. It says, O God, shatter their teeth and their mouths. Break out the fangs of the young lions, O Lord. And then in the next chapter, chapter 59 and verse 13, he would say, destroy them in wrath. Destroy them that they may be no more, that men may know that God rules in Jacob. Gets even more specific as we get to chapter 69 here of Psalms. Chapter 69 and verse 23, he says, May their eyes grow dim so they cannot see. Make their loins shake continually. 
In the same chapter in verse 28, may they be blotted out of the book of life and may they not be recorded with the righteous. Psalms 109 now, verse 9. Psalms 109 and verse 9. Again, what we're doing is just looking at these imprecatory psalms here. Here it says, let his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. Basically, he's saying, take his life, God. That's what he's asking for. Then the last one we'll look at in the book of Psalms is chapter 140. There are others, but these, these are enough. Psalms 140, and in verse 10, the psalmist says, May burning coals fall upon them. May they be cast into fire, into the deep pits, which they cannot rise. Now, you might, you know, unless we think that this is just all Old Testament, in the book of Revelation in chapter 6, as Jesus is in the midst of opening the seals, we come into verse 9. It says, When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God, because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Avenge our blood. So there's a whole list of them. And now what we're going to look at is, can we say those things today? Yeah, yeah. So it, it strikes me as we listen to those. And like you said, that's just a sampling. I mean, we, we've we got them sprinkled all over the book of Psalms. It, it strikes me that what is described as evil, uh, unjust by the psalmist, it is appealing to the standard that God himself has revealed. This, this is not, it sure does sound to me, and, and I think if you go back and you look at the context of these, this is not, well, God, somebody hurt my feelings, and so I'm asking you to strike them with lightning. You know, somebody uh, was snobby to me, and so God, I'm asking you to withhold salvation from from them. This is not from the the point of view of selfishness, that I've got this almighty God in my corner and somebody bumped or bruised me and so I'm unleashing an all-powerful God to, you know, uh, give that person what they deserve for hurting my feelings. Rather, it sure does seem to me that the psalmist is looking out on the world, a, a very imperfect world. It is the world that we live in, full of injustice and oppression and evil. And number one, the psalmist is saying, God, this is what I see, and I have to tell somebody about it. This, the psalmist uh, is in extreme pain. We can tell that. Emotional pain. And, and as you said, it, it, it's not like I was up to get a promotion and someone else got it and I didn't. Now I'm jealous. I'm angry. So God just flattened all his tires so he can't get to work on time <laughs> and then I'll get the job. No. No, this is, not, this is somebody who is violating the will of God and they're oppressing the righteous by their sin. That's, that's, a, that's a driving point through all of this. And so what the psalmist is praying about is not just personal justification or personal vengeance. He, he's praying that God's righteous way will prevail. 
and that the wicked people who are oppressing and ignoring and violating God would, would end that. You know, he would say in Psalms uh, 139, I hate those who hate you, God. That's, that's what I see behind all this. And, and it's not, well, I didn't get the trophy. I didn't get the promotion. I didn't get, so I went, whoever did, to have a bad day. No, this is, this is somebody who's oppressing the will of God. And I think that comes out with that. You know, the other thing that stands out to me is it's almost like the psalmist is praying that what the evildoer was planning would come back like a like a boomerang would would come back on them we heard as you were surveying that that okay someone has laid a net god i'm praying that they would be caught in the net that they themselves have laid or they dug a pit and i'm praying god that they would fall into the pit of their own making it, it doesn't seem to me to be God, would you empower me to be more violent than they are, uh, more vengeful than they are, as much as, God, there is evil in human hearts, and I'm praying that that evil would be restrained from hurting the innocent and would, in fact, come back on the one whose heart is full of this sort of evil. This is not a person who's taken up his arms and going to deal with it himself. He's praying this to God. He's wanting God and God's will to deal with this. And again, that's a lot different than, okay, someone's kind of messed with my life, so I'm going to go straighten this out. This is not that way. He's praying to God and laying it before the Lord and wanting the Lord to deal with it, knowing that God's will be done and that God has all those things before him. And that, that, that again, is important as we kind of keep this uh, line of thought going as we consider this. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, he's praying that God would do something about this, right? And I, I think maybe if we notice that progression of, first of all, God, this is what I see in the world, and it's breaking my heart. Uh, God, number two, I'm praying that evil would stop that that you would somehow stop it in its tracks that the evil that was intended for the innocent would in fact ricochet back on the evil and it's ultimately calling on god god would would you intervene i'm limited uh, collections of human beings, entire kingdoms of, of human beings are limited, but the psalmist is crying out to an unlimited God, God, would you do something about what is running rampant in your good world? You know, and it reminds me very similar to how the book of Habakkuk begins. Uh, he's looking at the injustice in his world, and he cries and prays to God and says, why don't you do something, God? Because it it looks like injustice and evil is going to prevail and is going to be victorious. And God responds by saying, I am doing something. You wouldn't believe it if I told you. And, And so, you know, the will of God will be done. The will of God will be accomplished. But in the process, as we go on through Bible history, we see that sometimes the righteous are oppressed. And sometimes things are not fair and not right. 
And we remember the cries in Egypt as the Egyptians were oppressing the people of God and how their cries went up to heaven, it says, and God heard their cries. And so that's the backdrop of these things here. This is not somebody who just, I don't like my next door neighbor and I want you to get him to move so I get a better neighbor. <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with, with the evil that some people are trying to promote in this world, and the psalmists and others are just saying, that needs to stop, God. Won't you stop the progression of wrong? All right. So we've spent a couple of minutes looking at a few examples from the Psalms, one that we heard from Revelation. Uh, maybe in our last few minutes, we pivot away and or just pivot around and think through, okay, as a Christian, a disciple of Jesus, what do I do with these? What uh, They're in my Bible. They're right there in the heart of my Bible. Jesus was very familiar, of course, with these psalms. What do I do with these sort of things? And uh, Roger, I'll, I'll turn that around to you here in just a minute. But one of the first lessons that stands out to me is... I can be honest with God about what is going on in my heart. Now, we mentioned last Friday. If you haven't had the time to listen to last Friday's episode, I'd certainly encourage you to do that. We always need to be humble. We need to be reverent. We need to be aware, uh, powerfully so, who we are talking to. But it is psalms like this, I think, very clearly show us there are going to be dark days in all of our lives, and we can talk to God about those dark days. Now, last Friday, we noticed this interesting progression that oftentimes beginning to talk about those dark days ultimately leads us to the place where we remember uh, God is the one who can break the bow and make wars to cease. God is the one in Psalm 46 who calls us to be still and know that he is God. And so maybe as I work my way through praying like this, I come to be on much more solid, stable ground and perspective. But number one, I think these Psalms teach us we can be honest with our Father in heaven. Well, and... You know, to know God as we should, he already knows our feelings, and it doesn't do anything to our relationship to hide these feelings and to pretend everything's okay when they're not okay. And so to be honest, but then to remember our place, that's very important. And then we have to be careful that these thoughts don't lead us to anger and hatred. Yeah. That That's an easy place to get to, to get to bitterness. And that can ruin our spirit. That can, that can chisel away at our faith. It can really make things not the way they should be. And we can look at things and think, well, you know what? I've prayed and prayed, and uh, things keep getting worse and worse in this world, and I don't think God is liking me. God's listening to me. So I'm going to start taking matters in my own hand. No, you don't do that. You do not do that. And so... Uh, we've got to remember the perspective to keep our heart the way it should be and to remember what God wants us to do in all these things. You know, Roger, this is really, in, in my mind, <laughs> a, a multi-dimensional conversation, and we've approached it in episodes for a reason that, okay, episode one, we acknowledge sometimes we just don't know what to pray. 
and uh, Romans chapter 8, where we began, we lean on the Spirit. Sometimes there are groanings too deep for words, but the Spirit knows. Last Friday, we reminded ourselves of this powerful perspective that though the nations rage, there is a God in heaven whose purposes are ultimately going to prevail. To prevail. Uh, today we've looked at a few of these strong, strongly worded psalms, but I think your your caution there about the state of our hearts is very good. And in fact, that's where ultimately this conversation is going to end, Lord willing, next Friday. Okay, as a disciple of Jesus, he calls me, for instance, in the Sermon on the Mount, to pray for my enemies. You know, we've noticed several of these psalms praying about enemies. Jesus teaches me to pray for my enemies. What is that balance? Now, I don't want to steal any thunder from next Friday, but as you think about that balance in light of these imprecatory psalms, any words of wisdom that you would offer? Well, you know, the whole time Jesus was in his ministry, he was, he was threatened. There's several times they tried to kill him. Uh, they tried to stone him once. They tried to throw him over a cliff another time. They were always misquoting him, trying to put him in a corner. And we don't find Jesus ever saying these things. We don't find Jesus ever saying, you know what? I'm going, I'm God. I'm going to just make you disappear. And he could have done that, but he didn't do that. Uh, we also remember that Jesus told the apostles, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every single person. That includes our enemies. That includes those who are oppressing us. And so it's that balance that we've got to remind ourselves of. But in the end, we realize that God is just. And God will take care of things. He may not take care of them on this side of the world, but he will take care of them. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 10, verse 31, it reminds us it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And so, you know, when people think they can get away with murder, they cannot. Crime pays? No, it doesn't. And when people oppress the righteous, in time, God will deal with them in his own way. And we need to remind ourselves of that. We'll look, Lord willing, next Friday at the larger context of Romans chapter 12. But hand in hand with that Hebrews 10 passage, God reminds us that long before, all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 32, he had taught his people, vengeance is mine I will repay, says the Lord. And perhaps that's the best place to land this portion of our conversation. Uh, these uh, interesting, complicated psalms uh, show us that we live in an evil world and human emotions are complex. Sometimes human emotions are volatile. We bring those emotions to God. We lay them at his feet. We ask him to be ultimately the source of truth and righteousness, justice in the world. But regardless of what is going on, we entrust ourselves to this faithful creator who has told us 
how the story is ultimately going to end. And, and that's what we got. That's how we have to end it. Because if not, we will lay awake at night thinking about this person, and we'll just start going through the body. Okay, God makes them blind. God pull their hair out, make their teeth fall out, and we just start naming all these wicked, wicked things that we would wish could happen. And pretty soon, we're just kind of developing a little voodoo doll, and we're just <laughs> sticking pins in that voodoo doll and just wanting to hurt them and hurt them and hurt them. And we've got to realize that we ourselves are crossing a lot of lines there. We've got to leave it in the hands of God, and we will talk about how we do that next week. But remind ourselves the attitude that God wants us to have. A complicated discussion, but Roger, I appreciate you joining me today and helping me think through those things. It very well may be that you have more questions along these lines. We appreciate you listening, and we would love to talk with you about those. If this has been helpful to you, made you think, and you think others could be helped by it, we would love it if you would share it with others as well. We always appreciate the encouragement. Most of all, we hope that it's helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Complicated as it is, always remember that when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come. <music> 